So last week we began our, our study together with this quote from A.W. Tozer, great theologian, uh, awesome writer. And, and Tozer said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is actually the most important thing about us. And he said, history has proved uh, that, that no group of people have ever risen above their idea of God. He says, therefore, uh, pure or base worship occurs when we have high or low thoughts about God. And so we said, coming into this Advent season, this, this, this time leading up to Christmas, what we wanted to do, our goal was simple. We want to elevate our thoughts about God. We want to think higher, holier thoughts about God so that we might actually get it this year, this Christmas season, what, what Jesus has really done for us. And uh, so last week we looked at two of his attributes, the fact that he is light and he is life, and uh, this week, we're going to talk about two more. And, and here's where we're headed this week. Here's the first attribute I want you to see this week. God is good. right? God is good. That, that's who he is. And, and if you open up the Bible in the very first book, you figure this out pretty quickly. Because this God, everything that he touches is good. right? Everything that he, that, that he speaks into creation, it says is good. Genesis 1.31, all my Bible drill folks. And God saw all that he had made. Right? And it was very good. And there was evening and, and there was morning the, the sixth day. Uh, Psalm 119.68, the psalmist declares, you are good. And, and what you do is good. So teach me your ways. Teach me your decrees. Psalm 107, verse 1. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And, and his love endures forever. Psalm 145.9 says, um, the Lord is good to all. He has, uh, to all he has compassion on all that... He has made. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this attribute of God. We're going to talk about his goodness. And specifically, we're going to talk about how his goodness affects us in light of this second attribute, which is this truth that God is our guide. God is our guide, or God is our leader, or God is our shepherd might be another way to say that. And we, we see this truth played out beautifully, of course, in the life of Jesus. If you were here last week, we talked about Colossians 1.15 and Colossians 1.19. So Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, right? And, and then Colossians 1.19 says that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. And if you put 1.15 and 1.19 together, what you get is this basically, is that if you want to know what God is like, if you want to see God, you just need to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the fullest picture of God that you will ever see. If you've ever read through the Old Testament and thought, Oh my gosh, this, this God seems really harsh. Then you need to look at Jesus because you see that this God may be just, but he is completely loving, right? He's completely sacrificial. And so we just look to Jesus. And, and I, I think that's important because Jesus perfectly laid out and lived out these two attributes. He says this in John 10 uh, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. You know another word for shepherd? Guide. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good guide. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 14. He says, uh, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good guide. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep will listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He is good, and he's our guide. 
And so this morning, I want to talk to you about what these two attributes mean for us. And I want to do so by looking at what some might consider an obscure passage uh, of Scripture in the Old Testament. So I'm in Isaiah 42, and we're just going to look at verse 16 because it is chock full of of good news for us. Isaiah 42, uh, verse 16, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, uh, the, the word of the Lord says this. God is speaking here, by the way, and he says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them, and I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. I will not forsake them. Three things I want you to see uh, when, when it comes to God being our good guide, what that means for us. Okay, Number one, Because Jesus is our good God, because he's our good shepherd, we are never left alone or unprotected, right? Because Jesus is our good God, we are never left uh, alone or unprotected. Look at the end of verse 16 with him. Notice how this ends. He says, these are the things that I will do. I will not forsake them. I will not forsake them. And friends, this is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. Our God is good, right? He, he is a, a good shepherd. And, and our good shepherd never, ever, ever forsakes his flock. The good shepherd never forsakes his flock. Look at this, Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Get this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. First Chronicles 28.20. David speaking to his son Solomon. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Psalm 37.28. For the Lord loves the just and he will not forsake his faithful ones. And of course, the, the great commission, Matthew uh, 28, uh, it starts in 18 and runs through 20. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, I say to you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And look at the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm not going away. <laughs> I'm not going away. I'm going to be with you. Friends, listen to me. This is important. This world is dark and dangerous. And you and I are prone to taking detours. The Bible says that like sheep, we are prone to wander. And that's not a good thing if you're a defenseless animal like a sheep. It is dark and dangerous, and we're prone to detours. And and, and listen, this is important. When we do that, sometimes when we wander, we begin to think that because of our unfaithfulness, because of our mistakes, that God has left us. We start to think because of our poor performance that God leaves us, that, that, that somehow he forsakes us. We, we, because we feel alone, don't we? Ever been there as a Christian? You ever felt alone? We feel that way. But I want you to see this morning, that's not the truth. That's not how it works. 
Ready? Here's the truth about God and, and his relationship with us. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, ni- neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is the truth. Now listen, when we accept Jesus, we get God. And we get all of God. The moment that we accept Christ as our Lord, God becomes our Father. We're adopted into the family, but but we're adopted as children with full rights. We get full inheritance. We we literally, we we now live in the kingdom. We're members of, of His household. We've got full access to the fridge, right? He becomes our Father, He becomes our Shepherd, and He becomes our guide. And nothing can change that relationship. Nothing. So why do we feel alone? Because when we wander, when we take detours, our sin, while it cannot change our relationship, it can affect our closeness with God. It affects what we call our fellowship with God. So when we're living in sin, when we've taken detours, when we've wandered, we feel a distance from God, okay? We, we, we feel like God is far away because our intimacy with God has been damaged Because of our choices. But here's the beauty in this. Because this is the truth. Because God is good. And because he is a shepherd. We are never as far away from God as we feel. Okay? See, when we wander, we feel, sometimes we feel so lost, like we don't even, like we're like, I don't even know how to get back to where I used to be. Ever been there as a Christian? You're like, I don't don't even know, I don't know what it would take. Like, I know you're supposed to read your Bible, I know you're supposed to pray, but I don't feel the way that I used to feel, and I don't even know how to get back to the same zip code right now. We feel so distant from God, We, we think He is so far away, but the truth of Scripture is this, God is good, and He's a shepherd, and the shepherd never forsakes his sheep. So even when the sheep wander, the shepherd is following them because that's what the shepherd does. He never forsakes his sheep. We are never as far from God as we think or feel we are. Maybe you're here and you feel like you can't find your way home. I want to share this truth with you. Maybe it'll change your life. Ready? God is Our home. Our home's not a destination. We've taught that in the church for way too long. Our home is heaven. Our home is the new earth. No. Our home is God. You know what makes our home home for our family? It's not the address. And it's not the roof. It's the fact that when my children walk through the door, their mother and father are there. That is what makes it home, amen? God is our home, and home is never as far away as you think because he's the good shepherd. You know how to get home? It's pretty simple. You just turn around and you look into the eyes of the one that pursues you even when you're unfaithful. The Bible says that he is faithful even when we are unfaithful. It's the beauty of Scripture, and so... When we say that God is a good shepherd, the very first thing that means for us is that we're never alone. 
or unprotected, and we are never as far away from him as we think, okay? It's good news. That is good news. God being a good God also means this. Because Jesus is our good God, we have a place to focus when our surroundings are unfamiliar. We have a place to focus when our surroundings are unfamiliar. Verse 16, he says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Along unfamiliar paths. Of course, we know that God's ways are not our ways, right? I mean, Isaiah 55, we've quoted this before. For my thoughts are are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And because that's the case, right? Because God's ways are higher than our ways, His paths are different than our paths. They're higher, they're better than our paths. Because that's the case, and because He is a leader, because He's a guide, um, we, if we're following, we're going to find ourselves in unfamiliar territory, right? Because God's paths are never lowly as our paths would be. So he takes us into places that are completely unfamiliar to us. And if we're not careful, we're going to get a little freaked out. We talked about this in our Crossing Over series, right? We talked about overcoming our fears, that, that God lovingly leads us into places that he perfectly prepares for us. Like God does that. But those places that he prepares for us are usually outside of our comfort zones, right? They're outside of our, our comfort zones. And friends, it's here. It's, it's, it's outside of, of our comfort zone. It's outside of the boat when, when the wind is whipping the salt water up into our eyes and into our open wounds that, that we tend to get a little freaked out by our surroundings. And it's there that we sink. It's there that we sink. But I want you to hear me. We don't have to. The unfamiliar does not have to be your undoing. Say that again. The unfamiliar does not have to be your undoing. The unfamiliar does not have to grip you with fear and make you stop dead in your tracks and sink like a rock. I said this in the early service. You know why I think Peter sank when he got outside the boat? Just just tell you, this is just my theory. Don't write this down as scriptural truth. I just just feel like the more and more I've thought about it, I, he, he began to see these unfamiliar surroundings. He got out of the boat. He's on water for crying out loud. And the wind is whipping the salt water into his eyes and it's, it's beating up against him. I think, you know, if you've ever felt a really hard rain, it stings. I think it's stinging a little bit. And somehow along the way, Peter took in all the surroundings and he freaked out and he stopped walking. I think he stopped walking, and that's why he sank. I think fear gripped him, and he sank like a rock, and praise God that God's always there, and he reaches out his hand to us. Listen, friends, we tend to get a little freaked out by our surroundings, and when we do, we freeze and we sink, but we don't have to. The unfamiliar does not have to be your undoing because our God is a good God. And even though his paths are unknown to us, right? Even, they are, even though they are unfamiliar, uncharted territory, territories, like, I don't want you to miss this. He is a good God and he's a good God that is with us on the path. 
He doesn't tell us to take some place that he's not going. Rather, he is our pioneer. He's the one that goes before us. The good shepherd walks in front, calling us by name. So though we find ourselves, like all craziness is breaking uh, free in life, like like we're looking to the left and the right and we feel like our world is collapsing, though you may be in unfamiliar territory, you have a true good guide before you, and all you have to do is fix your eyes on him and trust in his footsteps. The unknown does not have to be your undoing. You do not have to let the unknown grip you with fear. You don't have to sink Hebrews 12 too. So let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the one that goes before, the perfecter of our faith. Praise God. This is what we have in Jesus. This is what it means that he's a good shepherd. In the midst of the craziness of life, when we find ourselves in uncharted territories that we are uncomfortable with, we don't have to fear and freeze up. We can keep focused on him and follow his leading. Number three, the truth that God is a good guide, I think, I think it means this. Because Jesus is our good guide, we know that the rough patches have purpose. He says, uh, still in verse 16, And I will turn the darkness into light before them, and I will make the rough places smooth. Isn't it interesting that God is the one speaking, and God is the one that mentions the fact that there are going to be rough places in life? God. He says, like, like I'm going to make them smooth eventually, but, but there's rough places in life, right? There are rough places in life. I want you to hear this. This is really important. God's goodness does not mean that life will be easy, safe, or simple. You may want to write that down. That's kind of important. <laughs> like God's goodness does not mean that life will be easy, safe, or, or simple. Rather, God's goodness means that any danger or difficulty we endure is a necessary part of our journey. That's what his goodness means. And I'll, I'll explain that and break it down in a second. Turn with me, if you will, back to the 23rd Psalm. Just back in your Bible a little bit. Uh, Psalm 23. Some of you know it by heart. Uh, I joked with the early service they had memorized it in the King James Version. That's fine if you know what that means. Uh, you, can, you can even quote it in the King James Version with me. Uh, I'm in Psalm 23. I'm going to read um, 1 through 4. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. Now, the first three verses of that are awesome, man. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm not in want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my, my soul. He's guiding me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's awesome. That's like, I love this psalm. Till you get to verse 4. 
It's as though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And here's the problem. That's actually a real legitimate place. Like That's a physical place you can go. And shepherds used to actually have to walk their real sheep down real sharp, jagged cliffs to get to a very real valley that had a source of water and sustenance. Green pastures. And friends, the way you got to those green pastures, the way that that happened as they had to walk down these very narrow paths of these jagged cliffs. And if you could imagine, you know what a switchback is. It's a narrow little path that they would have to walk this way, and then it would wind back this way. And it, would wind. it was a really dangerous place for a, a human to walk, and it was really dangerous. You guys, for a shepherd, his sheep are the most valuable thing in the world to him. Why would a shepherd lead his sheep down a place that could cause a problem? Why would a shepherd lead his sheep down a place where they could be injured or hurt or, or even die? Why would a shepherd, why would a, why would a good shepherd do that? You ready? Because he knows that what awaits at the bottom is infinitely better than anything that's up above. The good shepherd walks his sheep through the difficult places in order to get to the place that is infinitely better. That is infinitely better. Maybe today you are going through a pretty rough patch yourself. Anybody? Everybody? It's what I want you to know um, a couple things. One, I want you to know that God is going to eventually smooth out that rough patch. That's, that's like his promise. He's going to do it one way or another, Right? God is going to smooth out that rough, that, that, that's what he does. He takes the rough places and he makes them smooth. He takes the high places, makes them low. He takes the low places, raises them up. Like this is what God is going to do. Eventually that is going to happen one way or another. But here's the other thing that I want you to know. Because God is good, this is really important. If there were a better way, if there were a better path to the blessing that he has in store for you, you would be on that path right now. Okay? Like, and in, in, in when we're in the rough road, we need to hear this. We need to believe this. We need to, we need to cling to this. If there were a better path, if there were a, an easier way, if there was another path to the blessing, to the infinitely better place that God has in store for you, if there were a different way, because God is good, He would have you on the better path. His goodness demands that. One of the things my spirit says to me is this. Man, praise God. Praise God that he's not just the God of the smooth road. Amen. He's not just the one that's sovereign over the easy times. But he is the God of the rough places too. And he is the God that will eventually make them smooth. All right? So what do we, what do, we do with that? With this, this revelation that God is a good guide and, and that um, we can trust him and that he's taken us uh, to these places on purpose. Like, where, where do we, we turn with that? And so I'll give you um, just three things very quickly, uh, if you don't mind. And, and here's, here's the first. Uh, I, I just want to challenge you uh, this morning, maybe, if you're one of those people that is feeling like God has left you. I want to challenge you with this, and I want to say this to you. Remember, God is not nearly far, as far away as you feel, as you think, okay? Um, home 
is not as far away as you think because home is where God is and God's a good shepherd. He's pursuing you. He's a pursuer of sheep. So all you have to do, my friend, if you're feeling that emptiness, you're feeling that loneliness, get this, it's awesome. All you have to do is turn around in your home. That's it. Because home has been pursuing you. Now, there's a theological term for this. It's called repentance. It means that I have wandered off. I've taken a detour. I'm going this way. And I feel the loneliness. I feel the isolation. And what I do is I, I stop going that way. And I turn around. And, and, and I, I literally, I turn around and God is right there. And I get to see him. And I, I just, I literally, I, I can just step into him. That's what repentance is. And so I want to challenge you to turn around this morning. Second, uh, I want to I I challenge you uh, this morning maybe just to fix your eyes and to follow. For, for those of you that this morning, some of you are like in, in really comfortable places right now, and praise God for you, right? Some of us are not so much in comfortable places right now in life. We are in some pretty unfamiliar, daunting uh, places. And when we look around, it's pretty easy to get freaked out. And when we get freaked out, we freeze and we sink in our faith, right? That's what happens. And so, so what, what do you do if that's where you are? If you are in the unfamiliar, what do you have to do? You fix your eyes on the good shepherd and you just follow. It's kind of like tunnel vision. I I know that Jesus is good, I know that he's my guide, and I know that he is guiding me into a place that is better. Therefore, I don't have to worry about the world that seems like it's crumbling to my left or crumbling to my right. I'm already walking on water, which I'm not supposed to be able to do, right? If you're not sunk already, then you, by the miracle and grace of Jesus, are living out something that no one else can understand, so just keep focused, my friends. Just keep walking. Don't stop. Don't worry about what's on the left. Don't worry about what's crumbling on the right. Fix your eyes on Jesus and follow him. He will allow you to make it through that unfamiliar territory. And lastly, I would, I would say to you, uh, please just hang in there. Please, please just hang in there. Some of you are in, not just in unfamiliar territory, but you're really on the rough road. Right now. And, and, and I just, again, just about the goodness of God. If God is good and he is our guide, if his ways are better, then if there were a better way, because his goodness demands it, you would be on that better way to the blessing he has in store. So if you're in a rough patch, it is because it's necessary. It's necessary for you. Okay? And so if we can trust that goodness, then what we do is say, okay, I get it. You're good. You wouldn't do something to me that's not good. So I'm going to trust you right now. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt had a quote I had on my desk for years. And it was this. It was when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. <laughs> and when I was a youth minister, I think my last five years of youth ministry, that's where I was. I was hanging on for dear life. I'm tying another knot, Teddy. Uh, right? And 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Therefore, dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Give yourself fully to your work in the Lord, because you know that your labor in him is not in vain. And I kind of, for me, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 is tie a, a knot and hang on. <laughs> it's like, just stand firm. Just keep with it. Just keep doing it. And listen, if we trust in this good God, we know that he is eventually going to make this rough patch smooth. Uh, friends, I've seen such brave followers of Jesus uh, in my time in the ministry. I've, I've seen people that have understood this to a T. See people that have dealt with um, horrific things like losses of children, um, long-term battles with cancer. Uh, they, they face, they, they look death in the face and, and, they, and, they, and they continue to follow Jesus unwavering. 
right? Because they understand that he is indeed good and he is going to make the rough place smooth. And, and my favorite is, is those people that will say to me, I'm going to be healed one way or another. I'm going to be healed. And it's just that perspective that I think we lack, right? I mean, because let's face it, a bill comes in that we can't pay. And we're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And they're like, dude, really? I'm going to be healed one way or another. Like one way or another, it's going to take care of itself, right? I mean, you may have to stop eating out, but it's going to work itself out, okay? No more Starbucks for like seven years, but it's going to happen. There's beauty in that perspective and that understanding that we serve a God that is good, that we would not be on a rough road if there was a better way, that his way is infinitely better, and that ultimately, if we're in a rough road, it's because he's in the process of making it smooth for his glory and our good. So hang in there. Hang in there, please. Would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, we boast in your goodness this morning. We boast in your grace. We ask you simply to have your way with us to do what only you can in our midst. And we will continue to cling and to declare that you are the answer, that you are the way. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here in our midst. Thank you for teaching us your word. Thank you for teaching us who you are. That You are indeed a good God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. So we're just going to have a very brief, I know we've got a business meeting and all kinds of stuff. We're going to have a very brief um, time of invitation and response. And it's just a real simple one this morning. I just want you to bow your heads and I just want you to pray this very simple prayer. It is like the simplest, most effective prayer I, I think you could ever pray. Ready? I mean, it's, it's, real, it's real simple. Um, but you've heard the word of the Lord. You've heard even the application, you know, do I need to turn around? Have I been wandering? God's pursuing me. Do I just need to fix my eyes and forget about um, all the other circumstances? Just focus and follow. Do I just need to tie a knot and hang in there, right? Um, here's, here's what you pray, and God's going to answer this prayer for you right now. Ready? Just, just go before him, kind of tunnel vision, just thinking on him, just talking to your father who is in heaven. Just want you to pray this very simple prayer. God, how are you? Speaking to me right now. God, how are you speaking to me right now? God, what do I need out of this? Do I just need to hang in there? Do I just need to follow? Have I, have I been seized by fear? Did I stop walking? Is that why I sunk? Maybe I just need to focus on you and follow again, right? Or maybe I need to turn around from something. God, how are you speaking to me right now? Show me your goodness. Show me your ways. Lord, I am uh, thankful for my brothers and sisters whom you're just speaking to them in one of these areas. I want to be like them someday because I feel like you're talking to me in all three. (laughs) Thank 
you for being that good. Thank you for, for being a good shepherd that doesn't give up on wayward people like us, that just pursues us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for giving us somebody to focus on in the midst of the tough things this world throws our way. Thank you for reminding us that there's purpose even in our greatest pain. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.